Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. This is episode 201 of the show, and today we've got a friend of ours joining us, Mr. Dan Sorensen. And Dan is the founder of Flywheel Advertising. We actually met him all the way back when we were first starting the podcast in 2016. He helped us set up some of our initial social media campaigns and got us on the right track there. So we're excited to share Dan's story with you, as always. We hope you enjoy this episode, and we hope you learn a lot. Before we get to that episode, though, we want to take a quick moment to thank some of our sponsors here on the show. These are the folks that keep the lights running here at Conquering Columbus. And without further ado, let's jump right into it. Headquartered here in Columbus, Ohio, one of our sponsors, Social Ventures. They offer resources, programs, and accelerators in social enterprise, and they act as a primary network for social enterprise activity in central Ohio. You can learn more at socialventurescbus.com. That's socialventurescbus.com. And our next sponsor is FMX. FMX is a computerized maintenance management system that helps organizations accelerate their operational success. And FMX enables you to streamline processes, increase asset productivity, and turn actionable insights into meaningful results. If you'd like to learn more, check them out at their website, gofmx.com. That's G-O-F-M-X.com. Another one of our sponsors is Path Robotics. Path Robotics is a robotics-based artificial intelligence company with a focus on the manufacturing sector, the company's mission is to make robotics simple and possible for companies of all sizes across their entire value chain. So present day, the company has developed the world's first and only fully autonomous welding robot. No humans, you pay as you go, and all you need to know is how to press the go button. You can learn more at path-robotics.com. That's P-A-T-H-robotics.com. All right, Conquerors, that's all we got for today. Let's jump into the interview. You could drop me anywhere on the planet, in any environment, and I might get, you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, yeah, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. And today on the show, we've got our friend Dan Sorensen joining us. And Dan is the CEO and founder of Flywheel Advertising, a customer acquisition consulting firm that helps businesses accelerate their sales cycle and push more leads through the funnel by optimizing channels like paid search, paid social, website development, and data analytics. And before founding Flywheel, Dan worked in customer acquisition for Manta and as a media analyst for The Shipyard. We're really excited to have him on the show today to discuss his story. And on a different note, he actually helped us early on in the days of Conquering Columbus when we were optimizing Facebook and our digital ad presence. So really excited to have him on the show today. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Dan. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's uh, great to be here. I know we've tried to line this up for a while and finally got on the books, and it's awesome to see how, how many episodes there are so far. 
Yeah, back when we first reached out to you, I don't even remember where we were at. It was probably within our first 20, 30 episodes. So known each other for a while, but it's exciting to finally have you on to talk about your story and Flywheel. But on that note, one of the first places we typically like to start is, you know, take a step back, talk about life before Flywheel, some of your previous roles, where you grew up, anything that highlights along the way your life that kind of led to this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I've obviously spent quite a bit of time in the, dig- the digital side of um you know, what we do in marketing, but uh, I guess I had a lot of jobs before I really got into advertising. Um, I always worked well with people, but even before advertising, I was in, you know, product development and sourcing for a, you know, retail sourcing firm. I was in sales. I was a personal trainer through college and after college. Uh, I think I've always had, like, an entrepreneurial spirit. I've always just wanted to have, like, a side hustle. So even when I was training, I, you know, I started training people at their homes. It was like my own thing. And then I actually got into meal prep and meal delivery. This is far before like Blue Apron or any of the, you know, HelloFresh or anything. Um, Cause I had all these clients that were, I was training. They're like, what do you eat? And so just, I didn't want to cook for anybody else, but people kept asking and I was like, all right, well, you know, we'll try it. So I, you know, I guess tried a lot of things, but I was just kind of fascinated with the advertising before even any of that I don't know like just been a curious person I guess in general so when you look back you went to college here at Ohio State or where'd you go to college I went so I went to Ohio State I started OU actually I didn't really like being kind of so siloed in a in a rural area so I transferred to Ohio State majored in psychology I guess I didn't have like a traditional where you say I always wanted to do this you know a lot of people will say oh yeah, I always wanted to be like a doctor or I always knew I would get into law, like my dad's a lawyer. And, uh, you know, I'd really like to exercise, but I thought I liked engineering and I'm like probably this more traditional student than that what people call like a non-traditional student in that I didn't know what I really wanted to do. Uh, So I started as, uh, you know, engineering to then exercise science and realized I wasn't like a huge fan of college and classes. If I was interested in it, I was really interested. And I would do really well in those classes. But if I wasn't interested in it, I just, you know, C's were okay then. I, you know, it was just, is is what it is. But I went to Ohio State. I grew up actually mainly in Columbus, um, Gehanna. Uh, my parents still live there. We've been here about 20 years. I always ended up staying local. I always thought about moving, but then there's just been so much opportunity and just good people, you know, in Ohio. So I've stayed here now, you know, kind of grounded in my roots here, essentially. So you wrap up undergrad. What is your first job out of undergrad? Did you use that when you went straight into personal training? So I was doing personal training through college. So I probably started training when I was 20 or 21. And I graduated when I was 24. So by the time I graduated, uh, I actually got hired by one of my clients. So Atrium Corporation hired me to be in sales for a collegiate apparel brand that they manufactured and and owned. And this was sales to other universities that we represented the licensing of their apparel. We made shirts for LSU and Texas and Oklahoma and, you know, 180, 190 schools. So I actually got to travel travel around a little bit to all these universities and sell to stores that carried our products. And I just saw a larger opportunity with what we could do in the marketing space there so that's that was kind of how I got into that that was my first job out of college was sales 
So you saw that opportunity and then you just asked them if you could take it on or, or what did that look like? Um, a little bit. We had a sales team and they had some materials and we had a website and it was a website. Hmm. Not anything, right. you know, it doesn't, it didn't represent. WWW at the front. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was secure. You could buy things on it. I saw an opportunity where we had this fragmented sales team across the nation. They have some materials, we have a website, but we're not giving them, you know, the abundance of sales materials that they could utilize. Like if we had a website that actually represented the brand very well and had all the inventory on it and pictures of the inventory, then all of our buyers at all stores still work through an agent, but at least they can shop the selection that we have available and see what's coming out, see like what we represent. And then in their stores, if we create the marketing material, we can provide that to them as well for their advertisement. If they want to sell our products or use our images for in-store displays, social media, website, emails, you name it, we have, we're already creating that collateral then if we had it. So that was like your first foray then into marketing. What, what yeah. types of, did you kind of push for that? Did they give you a project and say, yeah, go ahead? They gave me the, you know, they let me kind of roll with it. I said, okay, well, what would you do? And then putting it together, well, what about this? And then come back to it. So there's always a little bit of back and forth, but mm -hmm. the flexibility to at least like roll with it a little bit is where, you know, I think I was fortunate in that space. And how long do you stay with that company? That's about two, two and a half years. And then were you fully transitioned to the marketing side by the end of it? Or were you still doing sales? Uh, it was a little bit of both. It was less sales. It was more marketing. But I think they're one and the same, you know, a lot of times. Right. It's all driving towards the same goal, which is revenue. Yeah. You know, but so after that, I guess, where do you go from there? So then I was interested in product development mm -hmm. and I went to a promotional products company. And I was in, I, it was really supposed to be very much product development sourcing, it ended up being very much sales and cold call sales. And I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm like a fan of sales. People have said I'm good at it, but I am not, it's not really what I, I don't like to do it. I don't like calling people and like forcing a good relationship because I know I have to sell something that I'm not like passionate about. Mm -hmm. So that was a short stint, maybe six, eight months. And then where do you jump from there? From there, I went back into just the digital marketing. I got an uh, internship opportunity, an analyst opportunity at a local marketing firm where I was analyzing paid search. So Google Ads, Bing Ads, and kind of learning what this was or what I didn't know about it at the time. And is this when, because it sounds like, you know, similar to your college experience, you were still kind of really not sure you went from mark. You went from sales, got a little marketing in at the first place. Then you go to product development, and back to marketing. It sounds like you were kind of still not sure really where you wanted to go. Right. Is right. this when you started to realize, hey, maybe this is kind of what I can see myself focusing on, or are you still kind of exploring at this point? Oh, I'm I'm totally exploring at this point. I mean, keep in mind I have these jobs that are full time jobs, but I'm also personal training before and after work because I still had these clients. I had just graduated, you know, a couple of years before. I had, they were great clients, you know. It was flexible, good people, it's great networking. I enjoyed it. I liked impacting people's health. Like, so I just kept doing that. And then I started this meal prep thing while I was doing this too. So I was then training a few people. Then I started to actually cook food for people while I'm doing these, this digital marketing job. 
chose there. So I, this this internship analyst position lasted you know, um, like it was very short, like two months. Mm -hmm. um, from there, I got a job where I was the paid media analyst or paid search analyst for a local company that was durable medical equipment, e-commerce. So they needed somebody to do that just for their business, and they had significant you know budgets that they put into paid search. So I essentially got this like two month you know, opportunity to figure out all the things I didn't really know, then that I actually did really like what I was doing in digital advertising and a job where that's all I, you know, I got to do just that. And so I, I took that and I, you know, I was there for a year at this, and my first job in, in paid search really was Revolutions Incorporated, uh, spinlife.com. Mm -hmm. And I got to learn kind of the ins and outs of paid search. I went in on the weekends, I just studied it. I was, I just surrounded myself by it. And I was still doing this meal prep business and training a couple of people at the same time. And so I feel like that point is still like kind of figuring it out. Mm -hmm. I figured out that I liked something that I had a good opportunity that I was interested in and it's in an area, a growing industry and all those are good things, but I'm still doing these other things. I'm still fragmenting my time. I'm still trying to like, you know, I just liked having the side hustle. I had a mentor uh, at the time. It was actually a client of mine, personal training. There's so many ties to personal training that have like never left. And he's like, you're, you're personal training. You're doing this food business. He's like, and you're doing digital marketing. He's like, you don't have any time. I was like, no, I was like, I don't. And he's like, well, the food business, he's like, tell me about it. So I'm like, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm making food, I have commercial kitchen space that I'm renting, I'm delivering the food, I'm sending the emails to get people to place orders, I'm following up with them. It's a one-man show. And he's like, well, is, is food your passion? And I was like, no, but I like growing a business. He's like, well, food isn't your passion. What are you doing with a food business? And he asked me, do you like the digital marketing? I was like, yeah, like I actually, you know, I actually do really like it. And so he looks at me, he's like, well, what if you took all this time that you put into the food business and the training business and you just did the digital marketing thing? He said, where do you think you would be with that? And that was like the turning point. So I literally that, quit it. You quit, you quit your job at the at making the food or you quit the job at Spinline? No, I quit the making the food. I had like... 30 or 40 people I was making food for every week. I was still training people. I cut all but like two clients because they were it was convenient and I liked it. But I stopped doing the food thing completely. I just sent an email out and I was like, I'm reevaluating and restructuring. I'll let you guys know when this starts up again. Huh. That so was the last email I ever sent. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's one of those things where if you don't take the time to pause and reflect on how you're spending your time and, you know, what what you're working towards, it takes someone asking you sometimes to go, hey, why are you doing that? Right. Because um, we don't always think about it. So it's interesting. You can kind of get stuck in a lane, right? And you're just kind of riding on the tracks, like going down this direction. And you know, you know, you want to be, you're motivated, so you want to continue to grow something. But then you don't realize that, man, I'm pouring all this time into something that really isn't bringing me the value I want to see. Right. So it's interesting that that this person that you were training, were they getting food for you too? Uh. So it was yeah, totally training, right? They they weren't ordering the food. Okay. Yeah. So good. I wanted to make sure that they didn't <laughs> shut down their own uh, their own food thing. 
but it, it's interesting that, that that kind of triggered something in you. So you pour that time, you take it, and you pour it all into the SEO and the marketing and that side of things. Do you start yeah. thinking about your own business then, or are you more just focused on your current job? I was I was just focused on the current job. I mean, I literally took really all of my time, and I just I would just study this. You know, most of it was like it's Microsoft Excel, and they you know I didn't take college courses that taught me well how to use Microsoft Excel. I wasn't didn't know really. I thought I knew things about it, and I didn't really know what I didn't know at that point. And then I got into this whole world of like, and kind of almost a mindset of like what you don't know, you just, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And you know, the short stint before this first paid media job for Spin Life was like the understanding of all the things that I didn't know because I just got exposure to it that whole year. And it was only a year because I ended up getting recruited out. But that whole year was just, I even went on and on the weekends. I was, you know, how does this work? How does that work? I had accessibility because of the position in, in, in what it is in paid media and driving revenue into like what revenue was for the business across services and getting an insight into like just the data and then just how do I be the best at Microsoft Excel, which is still nowhere near, you know, don't even scratch the surface on it, I would say, knowing that I do not know as many things as I do know. <laughs> but I feel like Excel is one of those things where the more you learn about it, the more you realize that you don't know about it. Yeah, exactly. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. You're like, oh my god, exactly. this thing's a monster. Yeah, so I would say, yeah, I'm scratching the surface on it. But yeah, that was, you know, just took all the time and spent it on one thing and just got focused. So you get recruited out of Spin Life. Where do you go from there? I went to uh, the Shipyard, which is a digital advertising agency. And you spend how long there? About a year and a half. Okay, and what was that experience like? Any any changes from what you were experiencing at Spin Life? So it was, it was the opportunity to do more of the same, but it was an opportunity to grow into other areas. So the immediate was doing really the same thing, but for multiple clients, because it's an agency. But then there was the exposure into all the other facets of digital. But even just within Paydivedia, it was you know, hey, we need to be like really doing well at Facebook ads. And that was new at the time, or newer. And I was like, well, I'm on this, you know, let me figure it out, kick, for about a year now of being focused. So I'm like, well, I'll figure it out. So then I was managing all the paid social, and I was managing a lot of paid search. And then we got into programmatic display. And that's a whole other world of digital advertisement and the exchanges and the inventory and the control of it. Uh, and then you get into a little bit of the SEO and website development, but and you know a big part of reporting. So it's just exposure to really all the areas that you could buy advertisement online in different ways and different platforms, different spaces, different audiences. It was a good experience. Hey there, Conquerors. We want to take a quick moment to talk about one of our sponsors, Studio 301. Kyle and his team have helped us redesign our website, taking the podcast in a new direction that we truly love, and we have some incredible guests here on the show, and Studio 301 has given us a website that reflects the caliber of the people that join us. And the Studio 301 team can help you with everything from brand strategy and redesigns to market research, videography, social media overhauls, and a whole lot more. You can go check them out at studio301.org. That's studio301.org. 
This episode is also brought to you by the Nate Bush Tax Company. We know it's an uncertain time for small businesses, and while the recent stimulus bill offers relief, it's difficult to navigate. If you're looking for information on or assistance with either the Paycheck Protection Program or the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, we recommend you reach out to the experts at Nate Bush Tax Company. We're working Nate Bush for years, and they will help you organize your information and submit your application. You can find them at bushtax.com, that's B-U-S-C-H, tax.com, or you can email Nate directly at nate at bushtax.com, that's nate at B-U-S-C-H-T-A-X.com. So, from there, do you go to another place? you go to Manta after that? or Yeah. And after Manta, I mean, Manta, you know, something that's interesting, we've talked to a couple people that have been on the Manta team while we were here. Yeah. And it seems like there's been a lot of entrepreneurs that kind of spun off from that. What, what was your experience like at Manta? Yeah, I think I think they they give the flexibility as well. That you know, the first position I had at Atrium where I had the flexibility to be like, I think we should do more marketing and I think this is what we should do. At Manta it was similar, like you still have the opportunity to put forth the ideas. I think in most businesses you really have always the chance to put forth the ideas. It's just like, how hard are you going to push for your ideas? And how well can you evaluate your ideas? So at Manta, it's, it was similar. I got actually recruited from the shipyard to go to Manta to be senior manager of their customer acquisition. And it was interesting because it was like, well, so this isn't just like running paid search because all these recruiters are like, they want to hire paid search people. Like, it's like, it's still very high demand. It's really hard to find people who are good at it, and there's a high demand for it because it's utilized in most businesses. And I, but I didn't want to just go run paid search somewhere. You know, you gotta have, you gotta level up. So, <clears throat> being that I, you know, learned a lot about different areas of advertising and how to manage that across different platforms for a bunch of different businesses, the idea to go manage like, well, how do we? How do we put the whole program together for one business it was interesting. It was how do we, we have you know, millions and millions of people that use Manta and they have you know, their users of Manta. They log in, they use the service as a free service. How do we turn this into small business marketing? Because we're talking to business owners and figure it out, you know, how are you going to do it? So it was a good opportunity to kind of enhance my skill set and learn more and learn deeper into like a single entity and work across the departments and that's where I got a lot of really good experience in how do you track and analyze data and how do you track and analyze across even just a website and tag manager and there's very very smart people at Manta and there's some definitely entrepreneurial people that it was easy to get along with and it was easy to like suggest ideas and they made it very open and accessible and you know I say I'm a little bit competitive so if I feel strongly about something I'm gonna I'm gonna push so I got to I got to push like I got to like implement and it was good experience across we I was like we have to use a sales team you know I'm gonna do this online you want to sell things online I get that like, everybody wants to sell something online because it doesn't co- it doesn't cost anything except for a transaction fee on your payment processing versus a salesperson you know, staff, but in that type of business-to-business sales of a subscription service, people need to know more than what we can tell them on the website to be comfortable enough to pay us and sign up to pay us repeatedly. Mm-hmm. So you figure out 
on like how customers interact with the business and then how do you identify like of all the prospects that come into the funnel per se and the ones that turn into customers how do you know one-to-one like who's who where do they come from how did they get there what did they do like what do you know about them like in order to pinpoint all your marketing efforts so so it sounds like that experience was pretty fruitful you were you're growing trying a lot of things that you wanted to why did you eventually decide to leave the organization so this whole time mind you that i still liked having a side hustle but my side hustle changed from food and training and fitness to just advertising and i had friend i have a lot of friends in the space so i ended up in this space of health insurance health insurance marketing consumer health insurance enrollment and lead aggregation and lead distribution and this data aggregation side of what a lead gen is and collecting customer data that want to be contacted about a service and connecting the dots. And I was doing that on the side. And I, then I was picking up other clients to do similar things. I can run these ad campaigns, I can run your Facebook ads, your Instagram ads, your paid search ads. And so it wasn't necessarily that I just wanted to up and leave Manta but I had revenue per month of what I was doing. That was, at, you know, at the time that I left Manta, I actually just became a consultant and they were a client. But my revenue was greater than my salary. So it made sense, like, if I could do both and if I could do one in a fraction of the time that I was, you know, supposed to spend there, then why not just, you know, take the leap so you make that leap and go into more of a consultant role. Mm-hmm. You know, how has things, like, so starting the business sounds like it all just kind of came together from the side hustle project, but when you take that leap, what mm-hmm. changes, right? How do you yeah. start looking at it differently? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Well, for one, you recognize how much money you have and how much you need the next month to live. <laughs> so Important, important stuff. <laughs> so a lot of things just about how much you pay attention to, I I think it was valuable in a lot of regards from how much you believe in what you're doing to how much you pay attention to your personal life in addition to your business life. You know, I don't think a lot of people pay attention to personal finances enough, but when you have to because you rely on your business for your personal finances, you get really good at paying attention to what you spend on and how you budget. And I think that was a fringe benefit of the situation, but um, you know, I had clients, so I was, I was okay. I knew how much revenue I was going to have, you know, the next month, and the month after that, and the month after that. You know, for a couple months out, I could see. But it goes from honestly, it goes from being in a place where you want to make a large impact, and I think this is a similar scenario in a lot of businesses. You really want to make a large impact. You have so many layers to go through. I don't want to call them like bureaucratic layers, but companies have a hierarchy. You have management, management has management. Decisions have to be usually by a committee in some regards, or not just yourself. And in that, it causes a lot of friction in what you can get accomplished because of the time it takes to push things through to get them implemented. And in, in a, a day and age where we talk about like failing fast and trying a lot of things, you know, there's a lot of hindrance to getting that accomplished when you have a hierarchy of an organization, which is not bad to have either. You, gotta, you can't try everything. You can't just 
bite off on every idea that comes by because ideas typically carry a cost or an expense. You have to vet what's going to be the return, what's the, what are we not considering in the situation, you know. So, so you get, you jump off, you kind of make the freelance leap, which makes it a little bit easier to take from ideation to creation. What does the scaling process look like as you begin to move forward and grow, and how long have you been doing for at this point? Yeah, um, I remembered where I was going with that. And it coincides with where we're going, though, mm -hmm. is that when you don't have those obstacles in that hierarchy and you can just work as hard as you want and try all the things, you'd be surprised at what you can get accomplished. And, you know, in the act of scaling, that was just a repercussion of what are, what are the limits? Like, if you just work for yourself, like, what are your real limits? There's a number of hours in the day, and there's how you work and how you apply yourself in those hours. Like, what are the limits? So, for me, it was starting that and then figuring out what are those limits and I figured out fast like how much you take on and what are the right things I think that coincides with scaling really well because you can't always take on everything and not all the things you're going to consider are the right fit that's where you know flywheel especially we figured out what are we really good at and then how do you implement processes around what we're really good at and then you can fit in the scale of new customers to work with and the operations to execute that because you can have something that makes sense. Right, I think, I mean, I think from a business standpoint, you know, everything runs more smoothly when you're bringing in people that have the problems you're trying to solve and you can get into trouble if you start to take on projects or customers that, well, the problem's similar but not quite <laughs> the same, like well maybe we can handle that and sometimes that allows you to expand but also sometimes it clogs up the works and you start spending more time than you need to on some of these projects you want to find right. the right customers for the right for your business right how have you kind of gone about that process and, and what's your customer acquisition process look like so that's a really good question there's a book that's called traction and it, i forget who told me about it who recommended it but uh, you know, traction and another book called Principles by Ray Dalio, both very similar, and they're really like operationally. How do you tackle growing or managing a business? And it helps you define who you are, what you do, and makes you lay out the steps of how you get it done. If you just document how you work, you can figure out what do you need to fix and what do you need to pay attention to and what do you, where do you have gaps. So for, for Flywheel, it was going through these exercises that I think, a, I think a lot of people don't get around to doing these exercises because it's not directly applicable to like spending time on something that makes you money. Most of the time, you're like going to spend time on clients or you know, whatever service you provide or what you're selling or what you're manufacturing. But you have to spend time in your business and how it works because that allows you to really like run efficiently. So we spent a lot of time on who we are and, and what we do and what our ideal customers are. And we, you know, we still pick up, sometimes you still have to, you know, you can still make an impact on things even if they're not a great fit. And you can still be a significant positive impact in areas that aren't exactly what you're really good at. But as you grow, who you want to acquire has to fit into that mold. We figured out that like lead generation, getting people who are looking for a service or a business that offers something and they can't transact online, they can't enter in a credit card 
to buy something. You have to communicate with somebody regarding what that is. That's our sweet spot. So service-based businesses that have to collect customer information to contact them or that customer has to call directly is where we really excel. And the business to consumer side of that is where we're really talented because there's also a scale and it's a different model than a business to business perspective where you have a smaller pool of people and you really have to educate more and create a lot more content to get done what you want to do. They do follow similar principles, but when you take into account the scale of business to consumer and the contacting that a business has to make or a customer has to make with a business, then that's where our sweet spot is. What are your goals for the foreseeable future? Where do you want to take the team? Uh, how many more clients do you want to take on? What does that look like? Um, so, I mean, the growth is definitely on the table. I don't really want to slow down, but I think we've been fortunate in some of the situations we've had with our clients where we've grown their businesses significantly. We've grown because of that. And we've been able to spend time on focusing like where we want to go and who we want to pick up. This, I think what's happened is we've gone deeper into what we do than we have broad. We don't offer a full spectrum of services for digital marketing. We're not going to manage you know, the engagement of your social media and post on your Facebook page for you and respond to comments, but we will run the advertisement. We've gotten way more into the data side and what we know about customers and how do we contact and the sequence of contact, the mediums of contact, the contact rates, and we've gone far into data warehousing. Our most recent hire is data analyst, data science. He came from another firm locally with quite a few years of experience and is just passionate about this area of data science and data analysis. And we've gone into data warehousing so we can we can, at scale, we can make decisions about all of the contact attempts across all contact mediums against a single customer. And we know how that customer came into the business's funnel. And we, you know, we know everything. So that's the side of, for where we want to go in growth and the types of businesses that we want to work with is finding the right fit to really leverage what are we really good at and what are we becoming better at and finding the right business that fits in that mold. Part of that is creating our other, you know, our own businesses in addition to clients' businesses. So that's another area that we are diving into as well. When you say creating your own business, what do you mean by that? So in the space of uh, lead generation and providing contacts to businesses, it's not always that we have to just manage somebody's paid advertising to drive contacts into their business and manage their website for a you know, transaction of services per month. Sometimes it makes more sense if they just pay us to distribute customer contacts to them directly. Somebody's looking for, let's say, lawn care, and we have somebody who wants to sell lawn care to a customer, and they're in the same area. Well, if we're at scale, then we don't have to manage a million different paid advertising accounts for a bunch of different businesses. We can just distribute contacts. We're the best at developing the website and the user experience and the flow of data and the understanding of the quality of data. Then we can work with businesses 
in a TCPA compliant manner to distribute data. And instead of being a traditional marketing agency where we sell services, we're just uh, a, you know an aggregator of customers interested in services. Think of most of them have grown into you know their own mortgage lending companies, but like LendingTree or Realtor.com or Zillow in the mortgage and real estate space. That's that's really a big part of their business model is getting the customer contact information of people looking for homes in the area. They're looking at these various houses. You can advertise to be on their site, but you can just, I want to talk to anybody that comes through in 43215. Where do you see yourself going? What are your personal goals? Do you have anything on your roadmap for the next three to five years? I think the growth of the business is really a top priority, but it's, it's where I'm really passionate. So. You know, the next three to five years, I think every, every year over the next three years is really a crucial time as we step through growth and how we get to an unknown of really where we want to go. It's hard to say that we want to be X, Y, or Z at this point. Like, there are a lot of opportunities on the table. I'm finding that as we're always getting better and getting a little bit bigger and more established, we are running into more and more opportunities to figure out what's the right opportunity between if we have clients, if they're our own businesses, if they're partnerships, how we scale the business, how we you know, look at the growth of the organization, the health of the organization. You know, I'd like to think we can be a good sized company where people really enjoy what they do because where I always had the fortunate side of being able to try things I try to emphasize that through what we do also. There's not bad ideas in our you know, space in Flywheel and the people that are working there, but everybody does understand that ideas have to have some backing. There's no sense in saying, I think this is a good idea without being able to say why. But I think that's helpful in how we're looking at problems and thinking about problems is to think past just the surface of like, well, that would be cool. Um, so it's just creating this environment, this kind of ecosystem of what the business is. I mean, I think I'm one of those people who's not really gonna stop working. I just find things I'm curious about at this point. And as long as, you know, I still keep my mentor in the back of my mind and stay focused around where I apply my effort, I think we'll always find something to do. But yeah, it's hard to say, like three to five years, I don't know. Yeah, it's a long ways out. You know, some people, it's funny, you know, some entrepreneurs, they have a detailed five, ten year plan. Some entrepreneurs are, hey, whatever, you know, whatever comes up, I'm going to pivot and I'm going to take yeah. it. So everybody's got a little different perspective. But I think it's a good place to go towards our last question of the show, which is centered around theme here on Conquering Columbus, and that mm -hmm. is live uncomfortably. And not telling you too much about why we chose that particular phrase, what do you think of when you hear it? How does it apply to your life and career? Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, I think living uncomfortably is is not you know limiting yourself. So you have to be willing to put yourself in an uncomfortable place, in a vulnerable place. And I I talk about that in terms of really experience and knowledge and taking risks. That and that's really you know that's kind of what that means to me. If I can if I can live on the side of you know educated risks where I'm comfortable in how I feel about the risk but I'm uncomfortable in like the scale or, you know, the end, you know, if this is really gonna work out, but I'm at least confident that 
I has a likelihood that it's going to work out well. Like I kind of want to live in that space, whether that's hiring people or starting something that's associated to our business or picking up an extremely large client. You know, there's always sides of getting into an unknown where we know enough, but obviously there's way more that we don't know in all these situations. Absolutely true. Well, Dan, thanks so much for taking the time to join us and tell your story. We really appreciate your time on the show. Yeah, I appreciate being on here. I think it's really cool to see you guys so far along in so many episodes now. Yeah, thank you thanks so for much. Having me. And uh, Conquerors, thank you guys for tuning in. If you enjoyed that episode, leave us a like, share us on iTunes. If you want to learn more about Dan and Flywheel, check out the links down in the show notes. We'll talk to you next week.